morning, everyone. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Becky. I'm one of the ministers here, and it is my privilege to speak to you this morning for God's glory. If you are visiting us or haven't been here very long, um, you might not know that we have been going through um, the drama of Scripture, so um, looking at the story that goes through the Bible. And Rachel so beautifully brought us right to the cusp of the New Testament last week um, and prepared us beautifully for the start of that redemptive act of Jesus Christ. Uh, but what we thought we would do is, that's been quite theological, it's been a lot of head knowledge um, as, as much as we try and apply it, and today we felt it would be a good time to take a break, like the waiting that Rachel talked about before. Uh, we will wait and um, just let that percolate before we start and pick it up in winter next year. So we're going to have a bit of a break for a while because we've got other stuff we feel God is wanting us to talk to you about. Uh, so we are going to pick that up and that is going to be an awesome end to that beautiful story. Perhaps someone could just shut that door. <laughs> so what we want to do for the next three weeks is get a bit more personal. So myself and Sarah and Bryony Large are going to be sharing with you quite a lot from our own lives. Um, what we want you to do is to take this opportunity to think about God's work in your own life. And what we want to do is for you to understand and kind of value, I think so often we take for granted that gift of salvation that God has given to us. And we really want to instill that value back into us, really value that. So that is one thing we want to do. We want to give thanks for God's work in our own lives. And we want to have that motivation to know that there are people out there who do not have that hope in their lives. And it's motivation for us to get out there and share the gospel with them. So it's a twofold uh, thing that we want to accomplish over the next three weeks. And we'll be getting quite personal with you guys. And we hope that you in turn will get personal with God. Um, and with each other, and we're going to bring you slightly different opportunities to worship. So it will look a little bit different from usual uh, for those of you who love change. Um, it's a great opportunity to get involved and really do that heart work with God in the next few weeks. So before I begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you be with each one of us today as we reflect on what you've done through the story that I will tell of my life, and as we reflect upon each one of our stories of the way in which you work in our lives, Lord, and the glory that we experience when we accept your gift of salvation, that joy, that hope, and that love. So, Father, we pray that you be with us, prompt us with your Holy Spirit to step forward, step closer to you, Lord, and we pray that our hearts will be open to whatever it is you're inviting us into. Amen. So this is the scripture that I want to base my testimony really on today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want to show to you today how this statement has been evident in my life, and how I've lived this out, and how I know it to be true for me, and true, hopefully, for all of you and those who we go out and share that message with. So I think I told some of you my story when I first got here, the MSB have heard it before, but today what I'm going to share is a bit more deep than just the cursory, I did this, I went to this, this happened. Uh, so bear with me if you've heard parts of it. 
I assure you there is stuff that people will not have heard before, um, important stuff that really shows the transformation that happened in my life when I accepted Jesus. So when I was a small child growing up, I think I don't remember much. Um, I've got a terrible memory, but from what I remember, I had a great relationship with my parents. Everything was really great. Um, but as I got to my teenage years, something changed. And a major factor of that change was my relationship with my dad. As soon as I started getting interested in boys, my dad had absolutely no idea how to communicate with me. It was just like that, just shut down. Um, I went along to Sunday school until I was about 10, so, you know, good Christian friends surrounded by, but, yeah, just after that age, something changed. As I grew out of being a small child and I grew into being a teenager, I started having more adult-like emotions, and I think that must have been what threw my dad. He didn't know how to deal with those changing emotions. He stopped showing love, and all I got was this huge anger and a huge sense of disappointment from him. It wasn't that I sensed that, it was that he told me that. It was a horrible, horrible time. I was really scared of my dad um, because of these things, and I was constantly criticized. So he would constantly tear us down. If you did something well, you didn't do it well enough. If I got dressed up, there would always be something wrong with the way that I dressed. I grew up as a textbook case of a young girl with father issues. The problem is that, as I said, I was a happy, sociable person, and I've always been quite a people person, um, and that's usually a thing that you cherish in your children when they're friendly. Um, for something, in, for a person like me, it can be quite a dangerous thing. If you are so um, deprived of feeling loved and valued at home, you go out to try and fill that void with people that you meet. So for me, I wanted to fill that void with friendships, but I also wanted to fill that with boyfriends, um, which also was the start of even worse relationship with my dad. I was a rebellious teenager. I was desperate to be popular and wanted and I think quite naive. And as I went on, I sort of had relationships from a very young age, and it was an unhealthy place for me to be as a young woman. And at 15, I started quite a lengthy relationship that really changed my life. I started dating someone who had a sexual addiction, and this was, I was 15, he was 17. At 17, he was already such a broken person. Um, and to, this can be a side element of how important it is to be a good dad to your girls and to your boys and to raise really solid children. Um, from age eight, he had been looking at his dad's pornography and he had been experimenting with things from a very, very young age. I didn't know that. Obviously, I just thought he was this lovely, cool, older guy, and I was very eager to please. Naivety and a total lack of self-value are dangerous things uh, when they collide together in a 15-year-old girl. And the abuse and manipulation that went on in that relationship 
really broke me. It really changed me, and I've suffered from that ever since. Um, the emotional damage which I suffered from that relationship went on to then scar and ruin most of the relationships I had after that for a very long time. But thankfully, something happened, and that relationship ended, and I went on to university. And at university, my horizons broadened. Um, there were new people that I came to meet. I got new friends. Um, I started to see things more for what they were. And at this stage, I was still a party girl, and I started to see more and more that the life I was living really didn't have a sense of purpose. So I would go to uni, and then I would you know, go out, have fun with my friends, do whatever, and it just wasn't wasn't doing it for me anymore. I could see past that and I saw how sad and lonely I truly was. The thing is, I may have gained new opportunities, but I hadn't gained self-respect or self-value. Looking back at that time, it would have been very hard for me to have had a relationship where people really respected, someone really respected me. I would have sabotaged it in some way. That's the kind of person that I was at that age. I was limited by my past experiences and the lessons that I had learned from them. And as I continued on, I started to feel, as I started realizing the hopelessness that I felt, I started getting anxiety attacks. And I knew that something was going horribly, horribly wrong in my life and that I was meant for something more. So one day when I had one of these attacks, I made a phone call to a friend, um, a friend of the family who I'd grown up with who was the only person I knew that still went to church. And I called him and I just said, hey man, I need to come to church with you. It was just out of the blue. God just worked in me. He just said, you have to call Mark. You have to go along to church. So I did, um, which would have been a total shock to my friend because he knew me, he knew what I was like. Um, but it would have been hopefully the best shock of his life at that point. And I went along, it was Greenland Christian Centre, I'm sure most of you have heard that before, um, and they did the altar call, they kind of did it every week, and that night I went up, bawled my eyes out, and said, I need a whole lot of help, because they said, what do you need from God? And I said, I need help. So from that day, I went to church every day, oh, every Sunday. <laughs> okay, I didn't change that much. <laughs> I went to church every Sunday. I was dedicated to a small group and I started giving financially. Those three things, huge, huge impact and hugely formed who I am today. Um, I had this new group of friends, like I said, half of them were Christian and they walked with me in this point, which was great because it was such a transition point for me. Uh, the swearing and drinking took a while to simmer down as some of you might have experienced in your own lives. You don't transform like this overnight. It's a slow process. Um, and the thing is, I, one of the best things that happened to me was I reconciled as much as I could with my dad, which was an amazing thing because he died a couple of years after that. I was full of purpose from this point on. That's one thing I can honestly say changed in an instant. I threw myself into my studies, into my church life, um, and into sharing the gospel in small ways back then. But if I'm honest, that self-value took a lot longer to come. When someone is deeply broken, it takes a lot to fix them. It's something, if I'm honest, that I still struggle with today. 
I know this because often when I go out for a run, and I think other people have said this to me, when you're running, you're really in your own space. And I constantly think back to what happened in the past, and it makes me sometimes just want to stop on the side of the road and just vomit and just think, how on earth did I, how, how was that me? How did that happen to me? Um, and I know that if I truly accepted God's love and forgiveness, I wouldn't even be thinking of those things. Or if I did, I would look back and think it would just be a very different reflection. I would be thinking, aren't I just so glad that Christ has brought me out of that, which I am, but I actually dwell in that negative place for far too long for someone who is unconditionally loved. So I still struggle with it, as I'm sure all of you still struggle with whatever it was that burdened you before you came to Christ. But I can tell you now that I am so thankful that Jesus made me go to church that day, that I heard that call, and that I went along. My life completely changed. And although I haven't reached that you know, perfect goal of someone who knows so deeply they are, that they are the beloved one of God, I'm on the way. And when I read all of Paul's letters, it just makes me so encouraged to keep running that race and to know that one day I will feel that perfect love and be perfectly whole again. Jesus has not only blessed me with that gift of salvation, but as you see, the role I'm in now, the beautiful family I have, all of the opportunities, the friendships that I have are just beyond anything I could ever imagine because eternity with Jesus Christ is a gift enough, let alone all of these gifts that I have been blessed with ever since. This is the story of my life, someone who was taken from death to life. But I am one of 7.5 billion people who live on this earth, and a huge majority of these people are living without the hope and the love and the joy and that sense of value that I have from God. It makes my heart ache to think when I see girls walking to and from Glendowie School, just to think I know there's going to be percentage-wise at least you know, five girls who were in a similar situation to me, and my heart breaks that they don't know that they are princesses in the kingdom of God because they don't know the king. They don't know their value. And for me, that's a huge motivator to try and build relationships, to try and get involved in young people's lives because I could be that person that I always wish was there for me. It is my hope that the story has made you think about your relationship with Jesus, about your story. Sharing my story makes me think of how much everybody needs the love of God in their lives, of how everyone is struggling with different issues, and everyone needs that hope. And if we go wider than just the people we meet, we see hopelessness in situations as well. We heard in those readings, the whole of creation is groaning. The whole of creation needs the kingdom of God to come into it, to be renewed. It's our job to go out there and not just work in people's lives, but to work in situations, in the context we find ourselves in, to redeem them, to bring the kingdom into every place that we go.
when I was looking through images on our uh, image site, I came across this one and it really spoke to me of my story and how I spent so much time in tears and broken. And what I want us to do now is um, if someone, Sean, are you out there somewhere? Yes, he is. <laughs> it's awesome. Feels like magic. Um, can you hand those out for me? That would be brilliant. What I want you to do is take this piece of paper and we're going to fill it in together. I want you to think about your story and what God has done in your life. And um, as we hand that out, just take a moment to think about what your life was like before you accepted Christ, if you have. If you haven't, Think about what your life is like and give an honest reflection. So what it does is I'll show you this sheet. What I want you to do is it will ask you a question. Put the thing that, you asked, that characterized your life before you accepted Jesus. Mine was self-worth. Yours could be a sin that you struggled with, purposelessness. Could be anything. So what characterized your life? What was your biggest challenge? And then next to that, I want you to write the feelings that were associated with it. So for me, I felt powerless, I felt ashamed, I felt alone, and I felt hopeless. And as you all do that, I hope that you can take the time when you finish in silent prayer to open that up to Jesus. Tell him how thankful you are that your life has been transformed. And if you haven't made that commitment to Jesus yet, just sit with that in front of God, and see what he has to say to you about it. So I'll give you a few minutes just to do that now. We'll get to the other side of the page with the coffee on it after. If anybody doesn't have a piece of paper, just raise your hand, please. Or a pen.
it's interesting as I was listening to the songs played this morning, the, the I Could Sing of Your Love Forever was a song that I chose for my baptism. So I thought, wow, that was not planned. <laughs> Daryl just was yeah, following God's lead. Amazing. Brings me straight back to that time. Now I would love you to turn to the next page, turn your page over, and you will see this picture. As Jesus shared meals at the table with sinners and tax collectors and those who didn't know Jesus, who were in need of hope, so we too are called as ambassadors of Christ to do the same. And I want you this morning, as we've thought about our own stories, who is it that needs that hope? Who is it that we can share our stories with or a word of encouragement? Who can we be there for? Who's God asking you to build relationship for so that one day maybe you can be the person that is called, gets the call saying, please take me to church? So whatever God is inviting you to do, if it's to talk to a person, if it's to pray for a person, maybe you don't even know this person yet, but you have a feeling that God is going to bring someone into your life, write that down. Whatever the Holy Spirit puts onto your heart this morning, what's he inviting you to do? Write it down on that next side and may it be a focus for prayer for you in the coming weeks. Daryl, I'm wondering, could you just come up and just gently play it's like the most inappropriate sounding song, the Yes Lord, Yes Lord song, but like, can you do it kind of chilled out for us just while we're finished praying and reflecting? Because I loved the lyrics of that song really just reflected what I've felt and what I've hopefully been sharing today.
now you might want to gently sing along just those words are so powerful and I will turn my mic off (laughs) 